Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift. I'm talking with women who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. They're using their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ. And I hope this podcast inspires, encourages, and challenges other women to step out of their doubt and use their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ. Because every woman of God has a fierce calling and everybody has a story. So let's tell them to glorify God and share what we know. In today's episode, From Victim to Victorious, Overcoming Domestic Abuse, I'm talking with my friend, Charlene Quint. Friends, this is a really, really tough subject. It's really hard stuff. And so if you have some little ones with an earshot, you might want to listen to this a little bit later because we're going to get into some really intimate details about what happens in the life of a woman who is being abused. And Charlene is going to share her story of her past abuse and also how God has brought her through that and now how he is using her to help other women recognize, remove, and recover from domestic abuse. Did you know that an astounding 35% of women experience rape, stalking, and physical abuse in their lifetime and 48% experience emotional and verbal abuse and or coercive control? This is hard stuff. This is an epidemic, friends. Charlene shares the hope that God can rescue these women, redeem them, and put them in a place of peace and rest because that's how our God works. So if you or someone you know has experienced or is currently experiencing a relationship with domestic abuse, then you'll want to listen in today and you'll want to share this with everyone you know because this is important information. I know what Charlene's going to share with us is going to inspire, challenge you, and it may even save someone's life. So listen in while I have a chat with Charlene Quint. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I'm excited to invite my friend, Charlene Quint. She is a family law attorney in Chicago who focuses her practice on helping women overcome domestic abuse. She wrote a fantastic book, Overcoming the Narcissist, Sociopath, Psychopath, and Other Domestic Abusers, a comprehensive handbook to recognize, remove, and recover from domestic abuse. And she wants to help victims of domestic abuse become the fearless victors that God designed them to be. She's the founder of abusecare.org, which is a non-denominational faith-based organization designed to provide hope and healing to women in their journey from victim to victorious and to educate and equip churches in caring for victims of domestic abuse, which is so needed in the church today. She herself is a domestic abuse survivor, and she speaks publicly to raise awareness of domestic abuse and provides training for churches on how to address abuse in the church, which sometimes it's difficult for churches to know exactly how to navigate that. They may not have received training and knowledge in that area. So I thank you so much, Charlene, for being on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Great to be here. I love the story that you tell when we first talked about you being on the podcast and you shared how you were, you know, working for a high powered law firm and then God called you out of that. And I know you might share a little bit about that with us. I also love that you're a wife, a mom of three, and you are a musician and have been able to 
do the worship in your church. And that is just amazing. And, and it brings you joy to see women heal and for you to walk along with them as they find their purpose. And I love it. Awesome. Well, I would love to invite you to share a little about your story and how you are taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. My story is probably like that of many other Christian women. I was um, was in a marriage that I thought was difficult. It was I just couldn't explain what was going on. I couldn't. I mean, I read a zillion marriage books and you know tried to walk the walk, and and there came a time where. It, it was just so difficult and it was daily abuse. And I, I had, I mean, it came to a point, the end where I, I had to leave and I had written my husband uh, of 21 years. So I, I wrote him a, a, you know, a long letter of, of the last 20 years of, of abuse. And said this is not how a Christian man should be treating his wife. And um, I encouraged him to go get some counseling so that we could work it out. Well, when he read that letter, he said, well, it can't be that bad. If it was that bad, you would have left 10 years ago. And instead of getting counseling, he went to his doctor, got a bottle of Viagra. And from that day forward, he raped me every morning before, uh, before I went to work. And after the kids went to school every night after the kids went to bed and this happened until the day I left. And I, I finally said, I, this, <laughs> this is undoable. I can't work. He started stalking me went to my work, went through my papers. He went through my computer to try to find something, accused me of, you know, infidelity. And, and so I, I took an overnight bag and I put some things in it and I just, I just escaped for two and a half years. I went into hiding. And when I came out of that and I, the first year, um, finally we did some marriage counseling and, you know, went through pastor at the church, which they really don't know anything about domestic abuse. And, and some counselors don't really even understand domestic abuse. And really the worst experience a woman is probably ever going to go through is a divorce with, a, with an abuser. And on the other end, I came out very shaken, very barely functional. And I thought, what in the world, Lord, do you want me to do with this? Um, so I took a step back from my, my law firm because I, I thought I would commit malpractice. I was so, so unable to concentrate. And he said, just just heal for a while. And so, um, so after a time of healing, he called me to, to help other women. Got some training. I did thousands of hours of research on what is this domestic abuse and what causes it and, and what's going on. And, and so I, I just dove into research on, on it and got certified, opened a couple support groups, but then God called me to do something a little bit bigger. He said, well, I want you to use your legal background and go into the courtroom and help other women out of domestic abuse. And I thought, oh no, 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 no. You've got the wrong girl here. God, you know, this is not my jam. <laughs> I had been teaching at a, a Christian university and I was actually on the board of regents at that university. And I thought I'm in my fifties now. Wouldn't it be great to just kind of go into teaching? I love young people. They seem to like me, we, but you know, like, and he said, no, no, no. I got plenty of people qualified for that. I don't have anybody qualified to go into the courtroom because you have the personal experience. You have the law degree, which I gave you, by the way, you're welcome. Uh, um, and I'm going to make you into a warrior. And I thought, oh, no, you know, I, you know, God, I'm not a warrior. This is not my thing. Got the wrong girl. And he says, no, I'm, I'm going to make you into the warrior. I know you're not a warrior. You just want everyone to get along and sing Kumbaya. But you know what? When you go into that courtroom, I'm going to be with you. 
and you're going to be my warrior. And that's how you know it's going to be me, not you. Mm. All right. I didn't have, I mean, I got nothing, right? (laughs) So, so he won that argument and has won every argument since then. He says, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with you. Now I, I just go forward now. So when he called me to write this book, which is not the book I wanted to write, I said, I'll give you the words. I'll open the doors. Can I say no to that? So Mm. here we are. Amazing. What was the book that you thought you were going to write? Well, you know, maybe a devotional for women. I had written some books before, more in touchy-feely devotions and poetries and stuff mm. like that. And and when he called me to write this book to lay out the entire process that a woman must go through, particularly a woman of faith, mm. to go from abuse to freedom to being the woman that God designed her to be, to mm. you know, recognizing the abuse and identifying it, and then getting out safely. And then healing and and moving on with life and becoming God's daughters that He's you know designed her and He has a plan for her. You've got to map that all out. There's no book out there like that. But it's taken five years for that book. But you know I tried to include everything that a woman needs to know to go through that process. It's an amazing book. I when I received it, I was like, wow, you know, because it is just chock full of. Like we were saying earlier, your heart for women to find healing, but also practical things that they can do where they can take steps and how they can get free. And I love that God told you that, wait a minute, we are, I already have people doing that. I equipped you for this. And even though you may not realize it, I'm going to be doing it. It just makes me think about how he has angel armies. I mean, he has angel armies in the spiritual realm that we know are there because he's told us in his word that they are there. We may not see them all the time, but there are angels unaware. But then he uses his church to come around and fight next to his other kids that need someone who's been there and someone with the knowledge and expertise to be able to fight for them. So true. Yeah. And so true. You, you, you need know, someone to help rescue you. And God's, yeah. God's literally doing a rescue mission on his daughters. Yes. And I feel like, I feel a lot like Moses, you know, we, here we are, we're, we're going to get out. You know, Pharaoh is not going to change. He's, yeah. you know, you can pray about that all you want, but God didn't change Pharaoh's heart. And he's probably not going to change your abusive husband's heart. And we need to get out. And it's the redemptive process really is the process of the Exodus. We, we leave and he's not going to let you go easily, but we're still heading into God's promised land. And there's a bit of a desert <laughs> and, and then there's a land that we go to, but we have to keep looking forward and, and not keep looking back. And you're right. That's the process. And you need someone to go along that path with you. Like you said, you know, walking through the desert and then you can hand someone a glass of living water. This is what Jesus wants for you to be mm-hmm. free. You find, right, that women often don't realize what they're experiencing is abuse, right? Because it may not be physical. It may not be someone, you know, slapping them every day or whatever. So can you expand a little bit about that, how that realization can come to light? Well, sure. And I think it's a particular issue for Christian women because we've been trained since almost birth to, to look at the good in everybody, to think the best in people, to, to forgive and not to dwell on the past and to look, well, maybe I caused it or I'm going to look at myself. And so we are trained to not really look at and to not be discerning. And it's really a matter of discernment. 
Mm. And so, and abusers are, I mean, they focus on Christian women because they have all these wonderful qualities. We, we are generous. We are giving. We are forgiving. We invest in relationships deeply and we care deeply and we love deeply and great qualities for uh, an abuser to, um, to take advantage of. So many women get married when they're very young. They don't have a, a, you know, 10 other romantic relationships to compare it with. And maybe they even were coming from a family of origin that had abuse in the background. And so they don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. So, you know, we start with what does a healthy relationship look like? Let's start with that. And then talk about the, the different types of tactics that abusers um, will use. So it's really important to, one, know what healthy relationships look like, two, so you can look and say, well, no, that wasn't an accidental something or that, that was intentional. And when you've asked him to stop, he does it again and again, and then it escalates because abuse always escalates. I'm glad you mentioned emotional abuse because that's, that's really where it all starts if you're in an abusive relationship, emotional abuse is guaranteed. It's in a hundred percent of emotional, of, of abusive relationships. And um, it's the easiest to inflict and it's easiest to deny. Mm. So, so when abuser, you know, intentionally does something, intentionally says something and someone will say, well, you know, that, that hurt my feelings. That wasn't very nice. What does an abuser do? Oh, I was just kidding. I, you, you're just too sensitive. You're, you know, I, you know, you're overreacting, you're too sensitive. And so by doing that, not only do you, you know, inflict the insult, then you deny the insult at the same time and blame it on her and inflict another insult. But she doesn't know that that's a technique that he's doing, you know, or gaslighting or projection when he accuses her of the very thing that he's most guilty of himself. So we're not trained to recognize some of these things. So you know, we need, we need to know what it looks like. And so the book puts it out very clearly. This is what health looks like. And this is what something that's not emotionally healthy looks like. Mm, that's so important. Like you said, to be able to see, wait a minute, this is what life with a spouse, this is how God created marriage to look or to be no marriage is perfect. But like you said, some women may not recognize that it is abuse going on and that there is patterns that they can see over time. And if they look back, they can see, oh yeah, I can see how you're doing that. Or like what you were just saying that an abuser will minimize what they've done. And then mm -hmm. it makes the victim or the, the, the abused feel like, oh, maybe I was just making too much of it or like, right. I mean, is yes, that, and it's my fault. Yeah. And that's a typical, you know, reaction for Christian women. Oh, it's got to be my fault. I did something wrong. Yeah. When in fact, they didn't do anything wrong. That was him baiting her or criticizing her or, or you know, one of the many different type tactics that they use and then blaming her when she has the normal reaction of being, of being hurt. Mm -hmm. um, so, and when you, when you see this pattern over and over and nothing ever gets resolved and and you're not able to resolve it with counseling and he refuses to change. That's an unrepentant, serious sin right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I imagine too, that they will want to isolate, right? And so other mm -hmm. people won't see what's going on or that the woman won't be able to share as much with close family oh, or that's another tactic, isolation mm -hmm. and, and alienation mm -hmm. from others. And 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's, I think I put in the book probably 50, maybe a hundred different small techniques that they use that, mm-hmm. you know, might be completely surprising to, to people to say, oh, that's a tactic. Really? Yeah. And a well-used one at that. You know, it seems like abusers kind of go to the, I call it abuse university. It's amazing that they use the same tactics and even use the same words um, when they do emotional and verbal abuse. And, wow. um, and when we get together in a, our support groups and we do some sharing, people are usually amazed to find a, wow, did we marry the same guy? <laughs> it's the yeah. exact same thing. So, so you don't feel quite as alone when you're in these support groups, knowing that you're not the only person going through it, which is one of the valuable healing things of support groups you to get validated and realize, oh, it's not me. It's him. And it's always been him. And I've done everything I can. I've read all these marriage books, which by the way, to say they are not applicable if you're in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. So um, I think all marriage books should come with a disclaimer that says, if you're in an abusive relationship, this marriage book won't help you. This is only for people that have, you know, normal marriage with normal problems with with normal people, it will not help you if you are married to an abuser. Um, mm. That's that's a whole different book. That's this book. I think many of us have gone through years and years and books and books and marriage counselor after marriage counselor, and it's not applicable when you're in an abusive relationship because that abuser doesn't have goodwill for the other person, which that's what's required to, mm-hmm. to be able to, to change um, is to have goodwill towards the other person and wanting to make the marriage work. And and wanting the best for the other person. That's just not the case um, when you've got a, an abuse on your hands. Never yeah. going to work. It takes two emotionally healthy people to have a healthy marriage. Yeah. I like how you brought out earlier that oftentimes a Christian woman will be a target because of how we've been raised, like you said, you know, and then we look for the hope and everything. And we, and we feel like we could pray people out of things, but we can't change people, right? Mm-hmm. I imagine there's a lot of shame and a lot of thought about, I can't get divorced, you know, and that kind of, those kind of thoughts that have people staying bound in an abusive relationship. Sure. I know you went into it a little bit earlier about what was happening with your abuse, but what was the turning point on the day that you made that decision? I am leaving here. How did, how did that come about? Well, getting raped every morning before you go to work and every night was it got to a point where this is not changing. He's not getting better. He's not going to counseling. We had actually gone on a, a vacation um, with my daughter. He was singing with her high school choir and he did that. That is beyond any possible realm of normalcy when you force someone to have sex when your kids are in the same hotel room in the next bed. Mm-hmm. So I came back and rented a, an apartment and then far off place. And, but I think God finally said, you need to leave and you need to leave now. And, you know, I still had hope that maybe, you know, through counseling or something, but I I think once you do get in counseling with an, with an abuser, that's really where you see that even counseling doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're not, they're not repentant. They're not sorry. They're not making the steps to change. And you can, you can see that they're, you know, they're glib. They assume you're going to come back because why would anybody ever leave them? Mm. Um, so I could see that through that time, he was not repentant. Some of the things that he was doing, which all abusers do when, which happens when they leave and that, you know, the number one thing they do is, is they start a smear and slander campaign against their spouse that's left and blaming her. So 
when I heard him saying, oh, I'm so sorry, you're so important. And then I heard someone else saying, well, Tom says you're doing this or doing that or doing that. And I'm like, really? So, and in the book, I, I put, you know, this is what to expect when, when you leave an abuser and, you know, guaranteed I'll put money on it. They're going to start a smear and slander campaign. They're going to try to alienate your children from you. They're going to be very vindictive. If they've gone to a church before, they will start being regular attenders and start you know, volunteering and, and trying to look like this great guy so that they will play the pastor and, and other people in the church to make them think they're these good guys. They'll lie about their finances. They'll drag you through the court process and, and abuse the court process. Those are, you know, guaranteed in every situation. So it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's really this, the worst experience most women will ever go through by far. It just reminded me too, that someone recently had said that isn't it so uncanny how they have these same traits, you know, they don't know each other, they've never met, you know, and then all of these people that fall into these different categories of mental issues have the same traits, and like you said, say the same things and those kind of things. Do you feel also that this is like a spirit of some sort, like spiritual? But yeah, this is a spiritual battle and we know God's character and God's character doesn't change. When his Holy Spirit indwells in somebody, they share God's character. We know that. We are with them and we see, hopefully, we become more and more like our dad, right? That's, that's his character. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But just like God's character doesn't change, neither does the enemy's character. His character, it's not changing. We can pray all we, you know, Satan is not going to change. And neither are his children going to change. Their character is like their dad. And so when Abusers all share the same qualities. They're deceivers. They lie. They're pathological liars. They play the poor pity party, poor me. After they've been abusive, they don't care about others. They all share the same qualities because their father shares the same qualities. And Jesus said the same thing. You know, he called out of the Pharisees and said, you, you know, hypocrites, you brood of vipers. You, you talk just like your dad because he's the father of lies. Of course you're lying. And you don't recognize me because you don't recognize the father, which gets into this, you know, the spiritual battle between a Christian woman and an abusive husband. He doesn't like her <laughs> because, because, you know, good people are repelled by bad people and bad people are repelled by good people. I mean, it says that in the Proverbs. So um, she can be as nice as she can. She can be the sweetest thing in the world. And he is not going to return that because evil people are repelled by good people and mm. they they repelled Jesus and they they repel his daughters and his yeah, sons. That so. is such a good word right there. And I think we far too many Christian women spend years, if not decades, praying for their husbands that they will that their hearts will change or soften. And with very few exceptions, God doesn't zap people. I mean that's what they're wanting. Like Lord make this evil person into a good person you know, one of yours. And with very few exceptions, God doesn't do that. And when we look in the Bible, there's only three people that got, quote, zap. One was Paul. We always hoped, oh, well, maybe this will be a Paul. That's an exception. Um, the other one was King Nebuchadnezzar. But God made him insane and ate grass for seven years until he finally was humbled enough to say, God, you are the God. And then King Manasseh, he was also had serious consequences. He was dragged away in chains and a nose ring to Assyria before he finally said, you are the God. And he finally came to his senses. And Paul, he was blinded for three days 
people don't generally change unless there's some serious consequences, which is why Paul in you know, 1 Corinthians 5 had some, some church discipline to, to impose on people when there's unrepentant, serious sin, um, mm-hmm. which churches don't typically like to do. But I think as women, we have to recognize we can pray all we want, but God doesn't necessarily go around zapping bad people into making them good. But what he does do is equip his children. Yeah. Fight the evil. And you do the Exodus. He's, he didn't change Pharaoh's heart, mm-hmm. but he equipped his people to do what they needed to do to get to freedom. He yeah. will equip you to, to get out of abuse, flee from evil and live a life that he's planned for you of freedom. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up about Pharaoh and you know, that Pharaoh's heart wasn't changed. I had a, an aunt in our family who suffered from an abusive husband and she would flee to safety, but then he would come back and she would go back and it would happen a lot. It just seems, it reminds me of when the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they were, they were not happy about the conditions out there. And they, almost like they glorified what they left. You know, they forgot that they were slaves. They forgot all the things that happened. All then they would remember is, oh, well, we did have a lot of food to eat. And that can really plan your mind too, I imagine. So it's called abuse amnesia. We, Mm -hmm. um, we leave and then forget how bad it was. I always recommend people writing it down so you can remember and say, oh yeah, that's why I left. (laughs) Um, But but abuse amnesia happens a lot. And mm-hmm. again, the reason why the people wandered for 40 years in the desert and as opposed to just a couple months was because they kept looking back and not forward. So, and we will wander for, for a lot longer if we keep looking back instead mm-hmm. of looking forward as Moses and Joshua did. Keep in mind that they had a promised land, but there were still giants in the land that they had to overcome. When they sent some spies in, the spies were like, Oh no, they're too big. We can't, we can't go in there. We're not going to win these wars, but Joshua and Caleb said, Hey, yeah, they're big, but God's with us. We can do it. God's with us. Yeah. And their assessment was ignored and people wandered in the desert for 40 years. I think that's the same with, with women. When we believe God is with us and he's got a promised land, there are going to be giants in our new promised land, Mm -hmm. but he's going to be with us to overcome them. And we can't look back. Um, cause that's not where God has, God has rescued us and brought us out of the past. And we need to look forward and, and just rely on his promises. He says, he's going to go with us. He doesn't give us a roadmap, which I kind of wish he did, but then we would be lying on the, be relying on the roadmap instead of him. Right. So right. he doesn't give us a roadmap. He says, rely on me. Cause I'm going to go with you. And I found that to be true in my life. And I found that every woman that I have counseled or represented when they get out from under the, uh, evil cloud of abuse. And let's call it what it is. It's evil Mm -hmm. and not tiptoe around that. But when they get out from under that evil cloud of abuse, they thrive. They really do. I mean, for women that haven't worked in 20 or 30 or 40 years, somehow a job falls in their lap. That's God. That's God's blessing. You know, somehow they make the money to, to, to make it work. Somehow blessings happen. They go back to school. It's just amazing uh, to watch them heal and thrive and God's blessings can rain on them. It's just, it's just so fun to have a front row seat with God's work. Yeah. That's such a beautiful thing. And it just made me think when you were talking about Joshua and Caleb, you are that voice for these women saying, yes, there are giants, but we're going to walk this together and you're going to get through this. And, you know, you've already made that first most important step was to seek help and wise counsel 
And so when you began abusecare.org, how does that work with women when they come to you? I guess you represent some women and then some are part of the support group and mm-hmm. well, right. So I have a, a law firm and I work here in um, Chicago suburbs doing legal work. I can help from a legal perspective, but there's a whole person that needs to be healed. So I, I started abuse care to do some coaching for, for these women that are, they're either in divorce or they are out and just, they just need some healing. So I, you know, we, we do that. We walk through that, have the support groups. Uh, I have one that I do at my church with a Bible study. And I have one that a, a local um, counseling group asked me to help them with a domestic uh, violence support group. But also I do training for churches because pastors, they don't get this in, in seminary, but given the statistics, they're going to run across it in their, in their ministry. The statistics are just alarming. It, I, domestic abuse is, is the most silenced and misunderstood epidemic that we have in church and in our society. You know, it's just kind of stuffed under the rug and nobody knows what to do with it. I mean, what do you do? Because, you know, he's probably sitting in the church pew too. So mm-hmm. we, do, we just don't know what to do with it. But there's, you know, the Bible is chock full of advice if we actually look into it and look through the lens of domestic abuse. So I provide training for pastors and, and coaching for pastors if they just need someone to bounce some ideas off. Um, I have a handbook for, for pastors so that they know, you know, steps to take. There's, I mean, specific steps, and I include them in the book as well. Uh, mm-hmm. to take so that they know what they should be doing. I also include, well, here's the top mistakes that churches seem to make. So don't do those. That's not biblical and it's not helping the victims at all. And it's not even helping the abuser because they get they get off scot-free. The surprising mm-hmm. thing is that churches by and large side with an abuser versus the victim. So there's some whole psychological things going on there. It's really, that's one of the saddest things is, is that, um, so the now the victim who has tried her whole life to be a woman of faith in this horrible marriage now feels betrayed by her husband, the church, her pastor, her church members, God. It's just, it's, it's a mess. And the church isn't doing a good job of it. I mean, the statistics are 35% of women at some point in their lives um, will be a victim of serious physical abuse or stalking or rape. That's 35%. That's, that's, that's alarming. And almost half will be a victim of coercive control, or emotional and verbal abuse. Mm. That's an epidemic. The church needs to lead the way, and they're not doing that. So, you know, seminaries need to lead the way. Churches need to have training. Pastors need to, to you know, recognize that, that they need to be equipped and educated to, to deal with this because those numbers are the same whether they're in church or out of church. It's, wow. It's, it's really good. And very alarming. And so praise God that you are being a voice, you know, and leading this, and then you can equip others to also share that in their churches. And just awareness is so important because it's something that we may not even have on the forefront of our minds that possibly someone is in an abusive situation, Mm -hmm. you know, is something going on, you know, that we, that we need to to look into to, to provide some help and and healing and support. So that is so important. How can the listener connect with you, Charlene? And how can they get your book and look into these other things that you provide, these other resources and and trainings that you provide? Abusecare 
abusecare.org is the is the website for um, for abuse care. So hop on abusecare.org, and on that is my my email. But give it out abusecarenow at gmail.com is is that mm-hmm. um, for my law office. It's quintlawoffice at gmail.com. I have a Facebook page, so look me up on Facebook um, or LinkedIn. Do give me a LinkedIn message, um, and I will try to respond. Um, the book is available at Amazon. It's available on Walmart, uh, Barnes and Noble, the, uh, the usual suspects of book retailers. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. I'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes so that people can find you and your resources and your book. And if you were to leave the listener with um, a word of encouragement or maybe some advice or anything that you might feel that God has put on your heart to share before we wrap up, what, what would you say to them? Well, for the woman who is in the thick of it, God does not want his daughters to be in abuse. That is not how he designed marriage to be. He designed a marriage to be life-giving and loving, and he wants us to be in, in a healthy relationship. So I would, I would say to them, there is hope on the other side, but there's very little hope that he's going to change. If, uh, if you've been working at this for a while. And for those who are, are out, I would say there is healing. There is healing. And um, get to know the Lord. Use this opportunity to get to know him in a, a very, very personal way that you've never known him before because he is the God of healing and, and redemption and restoration. And when God is in the mix of things, he doesn't just redeem things. He puts them back in a place that's better than they were before. Mm. Um, So I just want to give people hope for that. Thank you. That is awesome. And I know that is going to definitely encourage the listeners out there, you know, some that are struggling or know someone that's struggling. Like I said earlier, I mentioned family member and I never actually met her. She was, she was really my great aunt. I never got a chance to meet her, but her story has been told. And I think it's important for women to share their stories. It's amazing that you are now using your story as God allows us to do, you know, use the stories to help others find hope and healing and freedom in him. So thank you for being on the show today, Charlene. I hope to get you on again sometime and we can talk some more because there's a lot we can talk about. (laughs) There is a lot we can talk about. Yeah, there's, there's just, this is such a broad topic and and we're just skimming the surface. And I would love to come back and talk about Let's dig into the Bible and see what it really says about divorce and an abuse situation. Yeah. That truth will set you free, right? Indeed it is. I am going to be talking with you again soon, Charlene. Bye, friend. Thank you for listening today, friend. Thanks for sticking all through with us because it has been a really difficult conversation because it's heavy stuff, but it's real and it's important and awareness is so key. I hope what Charlene shared gave hope to someone listening today. Perhaps you or someone you know is going through domestic abuse or has come through it and needs some more help with getting over it and being able to process what happened in their lives. Well, Charlene's got this fantastic book that you can grab and I have the link in the show notes, Overcoming the Narcissist Sociopath 
Psychopath, and Other Domestic Abusers, a comprehensive handbook to recognize, remove, and recover from domestic abuse. And I've got the link in the show notes for you. It is a roadmap to help victims of domestic abuse become the fearless victors that God designed them to be. Maybe you, friend. I love a quote that Charlene shared with me. She said, I love to bring women out of the darkness of abuse and walk with them as I see God's healing power work in them until they are living lives of peace, grace, and abundance. God wants us to live in lives of peace, grace, and abundance. But Jesus told us that in this world we would have trouble, but to take heart that he has overcome the world. And God uses our stories to minister to other people. And God uses other people to minister to us. So if Charlene can help in any way, reach out to her. You can connect with her at abusecare.org. And you can also reach out to her through her email at abusecarenow at gmail.com. And I have all of those links and information in the show notes for you at daraswift.com. So be sure to check that out. And know that God loves you and he sees you and there's nothing that gets by him. God has a plan for your life and my life. And it's our prayer that this episode was able to reach into someone's heart and bring about just the beginning of healing. Because even just someone saying, I know, I hear you. That's all sometimes somebody needs to start and make that first step for help. And I'm going to have Charlene back also. We're going to get a little bit more into some biblical truth regarding abuse. Um, But for now, I hope you'll check out her links, check out her website. And I also would love to connect with you. So be sure to reach out to me on my page, my contact page at doraswift.com. And you'll find also on my homepage, there are several free gifts that you can download, like my ebook, Step Out of Your Doubt and Into Your Calling. It's a really quick read. And it has some of my testimony in it. You can also pick up some fear-fighting scripture verses that I've got for you in the show notes and on my website. Because we can fight the fear and God is with us. And we have the Holy Spirit within us when we are a believer in Christ. We have the Spirit, the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So friend, need help? Or if you know that someone else in your life needs help in this area, please share this episode with them. And God bless you. And I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who is taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.